It's been way too long, and I really miss you. Love you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. Top fives and deep dives with Town and PTM. My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by Quainton. What's up, guys? Welcome to Top Fives and Deep Dives this week. It's me, Justin, over here in LA, and we've got my dear, my dear, dear friend Mike over there in London. What's up, my friend? Yo, what's up, everybody? This week, our topic, it's just going to be Mike and me, and it's Top Five Roles for Musicians as Actors. And so to, to, get a little deeper on that it's has to be a musician that is primarily a musician and yeah you know some musicians of course have acted quite a few times but if they're still mainly known for being a musician or in a band or whatever what have you they qualify for this if there's someone like uh mark Wahlberg that had a short you know, rap career and then became one of the most famous actors in the world. That does not count. Do we, are we in agreement there, Mike? Yeah. And even someone like, I don't know, like, like Jared Leto. It's like, he's clearly known as being an actor. Like yes. that's a, anything he's actor slash musician. We're going for musician slash actor yes. at the most. Yes. And before we hop in there, I know we have our spotlight of the week, which last week we did, one of the Oscar nominated films, one of the ones up for best picture. And this week we're going to do the same thing. This, I believe might have the most nominations this year. It is the Netflix film directed by David Fincher, Mank. Um, Mike, what did, what did you think? what did you think? I, you know, we, we kind of ended our Pixar episode last week uh, talking about how some of their films are maybe like, better achievements than they are films. And, and I kind of felt like this was that. I think it's a it's a good movie. I definitely enjoyed it. Personally, I would vote for it above Trial of the Chicago 7, for example. But it wasn't as great as I was expecting. Super, super great accomplishment. And I really liked the style of it. It was a cool watch. But it, was, it did drag a little bit in the middle. And, and I don't know how much it really kind of kept you involved for the i think it's like two hour 15 minutes or so runtime and maybe that was the big uh big knock on it but it was it was it was fun and i definitely definitely liked it i think that we are on a very similar page about it i i think you said it best where you said i i think it might be a bigger achievement than it actually is entertaining and and great for instance it i might even be a little lower than you on it mike i thought like i was generally underwhelmed i also really did like as you said the style and what they were trying to tell a story about and how they were doing it but i just didn't find the actual content 
of the story that interesting. It's like this in and of itself. If I hear the plot, I think, oh, that this is interesting. Like we're going to learn about, you know, Mank who is writing or, you know, is writing Citizen Kane, which is one of the most famous films of all time. And I don't know. It didn't it didn't totally do it for me. And it's it's a bummer because Fincher. I mean, I love David Fincher. It's I mean, the, the guy is incredible. He's directed seven Fight Club. I mean, he's done Zodiac. He's done. What's he done in recent years? Um, Social Network. He, of course, did Social Network. What was his last one? It's been a while, right? It's been six or seven years, but. Um, oh, he did Gone. Yeah, Gone Girl. Yeah, Gone Girl. And then, yeah, that, that was his last one. But yeah, he's an incredible director. Incredible. And I don't know. This one didn't totally do it for me. I I do think it was really interesting what he tried to tackle. I don't think the story ended up being something that kept me entertained or really even completely, completely um, engaged the entire time. Yeah, I found that it was a little bit tough to get into for the first like 15 minutes. It was almost like over stylized dialogue that was hard to figure out what was going on. Yeah. And then I found myself like really engaged for like another hour or so. And then it definitely kind of dropped off. And that made the end not quite as impactful. Agreed. Um, but I also do. Th- I think what, what I did enjoy about it was that it's I felt very much a part of sort of the old Hollywood world. But also. This movie felt like it's 2021 like it clearly had a message it was being presented today yeah which isn't always the easiest thing to do um as a director and, and amanda Seyfried is great um she really doesn't have that big of a role so i, I understand her nomination but it's uh, i wouldn't go in expecting her to be that much in it mm-hmm. um but but yeah i like i think we said it. it's it's a it's a cool picture i like sort of a sexy black and white movie in this this day and age but it's it's a little slow and it doesn't really deliver that big punch that you're looking for. Yeah. I think for me, I liked trial of the Chicago seven actually a little bit more. Oh, interesting. Okay. But I thought Mank again, sort of the style and the concept behind Mank. I liked more, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just thought for, for two movies that both, I wouldn't say either I was shouting masterpiece or that I thought it was incredible after I think trial delivered a little bit more for me, whereas Mank in concept was better to me, but I think failed to deliver for me. Yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't seen all the best picture noms, but I would be really surprised if either of those movies won. Agreed. Agreed. Very excited to see some of the others and maybe we'll spotlight a couple more before. The Oscars there, but um, now let's we got to get we got to get into the real the real nitty gritty now. Musicians acting. I'm like, should we just jump right into this? Right in. I'll I'll kick us right off. Number five. I I honestly I told you right before we started recording that a part of me was like I can't possibly put this as my number five for honestly more than a week. I've been brainstorming this one for a couple weeks. And I just kept coming back to it. 
and that is 2003's Cradle to the Grave. Do you remember the film? You absolute legend. <laughs> I am losing it right now. Holy shit. It is... Oh, my God. Mike? What? First of all, I want you to know this is my first honorable mention. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Fuck yeah. With a, with a slash through it saying also exit wounds. But oh, yeah, of course. Cradle to the grave. I will never forget the fucking what is it? The ATV or the or whatever yes, on the yes, building. Yeah, X gonna give it to you. And it, yeah, and X gonna give it to you. I owned Cradle to the Grave on DVD. DMX, by the way, for everyone. But yeah. DMX was a great act, Dude, like a, a great action sort of solid. action film star for a moment. This is solid, you know, and they he's. Well, all right. So this is DMX and Jet Li with with some great supporting roles by Gabrielle Union, comic relief by Anthony Anderson and Tom Arnold. God, you um, but yeah, they were you know they were both in uh, Romeo Must Die, um, and this is not you mentioned Exit Wounds, and, and this is not uh, it's not a sequel, so to speak, but it's clearly like a very similar universe, let's say to that movie, and it's God. you know. The plot doesn't really matter, but DMX is like a diamond thief. Jet Li is like, I think, Taiwanese intelligence. And he needs to get the same diamonds, and they end up teaming up um, and and kicking ass. And, you know, something about it. I'm so glad you like this movie because something about DMX's performance is it's like just the right balance between campy and like low-key good that it it just hits you. I don't really know what it is. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think his performances hold up where it's like he he's not like I'm not laughing that it's DMX acting. I'm like, oh, yeah, like he's fine. He's a pretty good, at, you know, pretty solid yeah, actor. I mean, and, and hip hop culture and martial arts have, you know, such a long history together that it's it's obviously this isn't the first one to do it, but it's a fun idea to have them going at it. Uh, Gabrielle Union is always cool to throw in there. Uh, and yeah, you mentioned it's absurd. I mean, they ride they ride like ATV slash like uh, dirt bikes in the town. There's an insane fight in a cage with Jet Li where he beats up uh, Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz. <laughs> I think someone gets stabbed with like a crab leg in this movie. I, it's been a minute since I've seen it, but uh, and even the soundtrack, the soundtrack went gold because it had X going to give it to you on it and uh, go to sleep. Eminem with Eminem, which is one of. It, that song is so fucking good. Go to sleep. If you're if you're a rap fan, it sort of gets lost somehow these days. I don't know if it's on streaming services, but yeah, it was what was it? It was Eminem, DMX, and was it was I think Obi Trice, right? Maybe Obi Trice. I think you're right. And it's yeah, it's the three of them on the track, and it is such a good song. It's oh man, yeah, incredible soundtrack. That is such. I am losing it over that pick. I'm, 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 I'm stunned right now in the best way. You know, no, no one talks about this film, and it's. I'm not saying it's a great film, but I think we. I'm so glad that both of us are doing what we can to keep it in the zeitgeist. You bloody legend. Um. Well, with that said. I am also going to give you a completely outrageous yes. number five. Yes. Um, and it's 
And I actually watched rewatched this movie recently just to confirm that I had a bunch of dumb fun watching it, and I still did. And I just have to do it. It is my introduction as a young boy to the one and only Ice Cube. It is 1997's Anaconda. Oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And a fucking I mean, that really stars two, two musicians, right? True. I could go with J-Lo there, too. And, man, I will never... Fr- so I have, first of all, not because of this movie, but, well, maybe in part, but I have an absolutely irrational fear of snakes. My biggest fear in the world. And... So God knows why I love movies like Anaconda and Snakes on a Plane. But this movie, I will never forget. I saw it in theaters when I was a kid. I think I was like seven or eight years old. And I uh, I thought Ice Cube was the coolest fucking dude. And it's like I had no clue, you know, about NWA, about his solo career. I hadn't seen, you know, probably movies that other people would call out like Boys in the Hood or Friday um, I saw Anaconda and I thought Ice Cube was the coolest motherfucker in it. And, and I love, I love Jennifer Lopez in it as well, but it's got such, it's got a, an awesome cast. It's got them too. It's got John Voight with one of his most ridiculous roles, maybe his most ridiculous. He's like the bad guy. It's got Owen Wilson, Danny Trejo for a moment. It's just <laughs> for a moment. And a and a massive animatronic snake that now, you know, watching it over 20 years later looks so fake and it's just hysterical. It's it's just fantastic though. Ice Cube, he obviously is someone that he's been in a lot of movies at this point. I still think he's obviously will always primarily be known as a musician due to the impact of NWA and his impact in the, in the, in the rap and the hip hop scene. But this was definitely in his first, his first decade of dipping his toes into acting. And he, I don't, I don't want to give everything away, but he, he doesn't just like die early in the film. I mean, he's like one of the main people. Oh my God. Yeah. He literally like Jennifer Lopez is technically the main character, but Ice Cube is the I'd say the second main. I think you're right. Yeah, he is. He's like the second, maybe the third lead. You'd say after John Voight, but he's yeah a prominent guy. Yeah, and he's he's awesome in it. But yeah, I rewatched this recently, and it was uh, it was a very fun rewatch. Very fun. And and you know. Don't 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 sleep on anacondas too. <laughs> curse, curse of the blood orchid or whatever it's called. Oh. It was a blast. What a blast and what a fucking pick. Two absolutely absurd number fives. Yes. Wow. Okay. So honestly, my number four is pretty absurd too. But let's let's see. Okay. That is uh, 1987's Prince of Darkness. Do you know anything about this film? No. Okay, so this is a, a John Carpenter film. Uh, he wrote and scored it, so it's kind of like the Halloween model, so to speak, but like okay. a decade later. And the plot is kind of insane. It's about, it's about like a, 
this priest dies and he leaves like a note and a key basically like uh, like he's he's dying like of natural causes and he leaves like a note and a key and some other priest finds it the other priest of course is donald pleasance because why wouldn't it be <laughs> and he finds it and basically it leads to like the basement of an abandoned church and in that church is like this this sort of primordial ooze which is actually like the devil incarnate and it's like locked up and it turns out that the priest was part of this like secret order and they kept the devil like under wraps and now that he's dead there's no one left in the order and the devil's gonna come loose so <laughs> donald pleasance goes to his friend victor wong who put put a pin in that because i'm gonna speak about him much more in a future podcast um who's like a physicist at a local college and basically they set out to this physicist gets like mathematicians, uh, microbiologists, like all these top scientists to try to prove that this thing is actually the devil so that people will like believe in the devil and take it seriously. It's absolutely absurd. Obviously, as you can imagine, things things don't, you know, they don't work out well. Um, and who I am calling out for this movie is Alice Cooper. No and, shit. Yeah. So as the story goes, uh, well, Alice Cooper, as I'm sure all you know, is is uh, you know a, a long, long, long time sort of rock musician, and he is known for doing almost like performative art, you know, very like you know metal, like satanic, satanic stuff, like fake beheadings, all kinds of crazy stuff mm -hmm. um, at his shows. So he his manager is one of the executive producers of this film. So he went down to the set, like he was like, oh, I'm, you know, obviously interested. And he was able to go down to the set um, and watch them shoot. And Carpenter wrote a piece of Alex, Alice Cooper's act into the movie, which is something he did on stage where he has like half of a bicycle and he uses the bike to stab this guy. And in this movie, he does literally the exact same thing. He's just oh like God. like a homeless guy around this church, and he just like meets him in an alley and stabs him with a bike. Dude, I fucking love that that Carpenter wrote that into the script. Dude, and you know Cooper has a song called Prince of Darkness that he wrote for the soundtrack of this, and like someone in the scene is listening to that song on the headphones, and that's why he like can't hear him and he gets stabbed. So it's just like a whole like you know it's kind of like a little love homage between the two of them. Um, and it's, it's, he has no lines at all. So it's a performance that slips by, slips by people, wow, but it's okay. a, it's a, it's a cool, cool story, I think. And had to, uh, yeah, sneak it in here. I love that you did. I love that you did. I'm like, some people probably have not seen this movie and John Carpenter is obviously a fucking badass. So if you haven't, including myself, go check out Prince of Darkness. And that, that brings us to you. That does. Well, I am going to follow the trend a little bit from where we went with rappers in both of our number five picks. And with this one, I just got to do the one and only Chris Ludacris Bridges and just the entire Fast and the Furious franchise starting uh, okay. with Too Fast, yeah. Too okay. Furious in 2003. It's just... Fire I, him up! 
How could I not? I just, how could I not? He's just, first of all, to be fair, you might think that Ludacris is in a lot of movies because of the fact that he's in all of these Fast and Furious movies now, but he's actually only been in, in, a, in a bit of a handful scattered throughout. He was in Crash, which was Oscar winning. Rock and Rolla. Rock and Rolla, baby. But he's only been in a handful, you know, not nearly as much as many other musicians. So I had to call this out. I think he's one of the best recurring characters in the Fast and the Furious franchise. He is like for for the roles he does, he is good at acting, I think. Like he is a good fun character in any movie like that. I don't think when I'm looking at Ludacris like, oh, this is just Ludacris. Like I'm like, oh, like this is fuck like this is one of the best characters in this franchise. He's part of the comic relief. He's also really smart in the Fast and Furious movies. He's awesome. I there was some other like more maybe some more under the radar picks that I definitely let go to be able to include him. But I just Fast and Furious franchise, one of my favorite franchises. He's awesome. Had to include him. Yeah, I mean, I can't can't really deny that he is like you said, I don't know, you know, how how big of a acting range he has but what he's being asked to do in this franchise he's he's great at it and great. it's i i love too fast too furious it's one of my favorite of all of them and he's wow. he's fucking amazing he is he is he's part of what makes that that specific one and then of course yeah as the films progress the the relationship between him and tyrese is awesome and makes for some great comedy throughout the films Nice pick. I like that. That's Thank that's you. somewhere in my honorable. So I, I'm glad I that we're crossing. It, I knew it would be. All right, we're at number three, and I, I'm going to cheat a little bit, but similar to your number one pick last week, okay. I will pick one movie, but I would like to talk about a few. Okay. So I'm going to go with Snoop Dogg wow. in Training Day. Ooh, nice, 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 nice. I mean, everybody knows what Training Day is, but yeah, there's this one scene where Snoop Dogg is in a wheelchair, and uh, you know he uh, gets picked up by Ethan Hawke and Denzel Washington, and there's this whole, you know, like they make him throw up this crack that he's like swallowed. But he's, and this is another one where he is. I mean, he could be playing Snoop Dogg, right? Like he's not, he's not being asked to do anything beyond what he <laughs> be can himself. Do. Which is which is great. I mean, he's perfectly fitting. You know, he's obviously from you know from the area um, that they're filming in, and he's you know knows a thing or two about the culture that they're representing. Let's say, and uh, it's cool that they put him in this movie and sort of just let him do him. And and to his credit, he is in a wheelchair. I mean, that's a bit of acting that he's doing more than he would normally do in any of his other films, right? True. I and mean, he is, although he does. Have Something. Sometimes you could say Snoop has probably smoked so much weed at so many points in his life that it might feel like he is in a wheelchair at times because he probably can't fucking move. That could be. And that leads me to my second pick at number three, which is Snoop Dogg in Half-Baked <laughs> as the scavenger smoker. Yes, yes. I just watched that clip again this week. I'll talk about Half-Baked at some point. I'm sure I'll find a way to sneak it in. Of course. But it's just absolutely hilarious that he just comes in smokes all their weed and they try to take it back and he's like damn man i ain't even it yet it's just it's just absolutely incredible another perfect snoop dog role 
And the last one, we've talked about this movie a few times, but Starsky and Hutch. He's like a main he's, player in Starsky and Hutch. So and he's so good in Starsky and Hutch. Unbelievable. And he becomes like even more important, you know, towards the end of the film. But it's uh, it's clearly like a role written for him where he really excels. Uh, you know, there's obviously a couple funny like weed jokes, but he's he's like a you know a legitimate sort of team member of the squad there. And he's, I mean, obviously he has a ton of other films that you could point to, but underrated actor Snoop Dogg in that he only is asked to play himself and he does a great job. Wow. I love that pick. I love it. I mean, Snoop is just, I Snoop. just love I mean, Snoop. what can you say? How can you not love Snoop? It's just, ah, uh, great pick. Great pick. Two more rappers right there in our, in our, well, my number four, your number three. Leading on to my number three, this time, it's got to be. I don't know. Maybe you maybe you have him somewhere in the next couple spots, but he had to be on one of our lists at least. Justin Timberlake, the main man, alpha dog, baby. Oh, yes. No, it's not on my list at all. Amazing. Uh, so, alpha dog. Everyone that probably would ever put JT on a list if we're talking about acting achievement is going to say the social network. And and maybe the recent Palmer, which I hear is great and I'm looking forward to watching on Hulu. But fuck that. Alpha Dog. Alpha Dog is the moment when I said, this, this guy can act. Like, Justin Timberlake is Schward. He's not just that guy from NSYNC. He's not just this pop star now. He's fucking awesome. He's the best character in Alpha Dog. Alpha Dog, if you're unaware, is a 2006 film. It's it's massive cast when you look back on it. Emile Hirsch, Justin Timberlake, Ben Foster, Anton Yelchin, rest in peace. You've got Olivia Wilde, Amanda Seyfried. She's the star of this pot this this episode apparently. Bruce Willis, Sharon Stone, Harry Dean Stanton. It's absolutely ridiculous. And and written and directed by Nick Cassavetes. But I, I thought it was a great movie. And I think that JT does a uh, does a great job in here. Great job in here. Also, of course, shout out to Eminem, Say Goodbye Hollywood playing towards towards the end of this film. Love, love Alpha Dog, a very underrated film, in my opinion, mm-hmm. one that we definitely watched a bunch together back in the day. And, yes, and we did. Like you said, a lot of standout performances. We love Emile Hirsch, too. Um, but yeah, JT's role is not easy. You know, it's it's not just a, like we just, you know, the last couple picks that we did, right? Snoop and Ludacris, they're always kind of asked to play something that's that's pretty within themselves. And, and they're great at it. This is a difficult role where he's, you know, he's kind of got to be the leader of the group and he has to be friendly but also you know that he's you know capable of some other shit and going through the emotions of that at, at really a young a young age and it's yeah it's a difficult role that they did and, and he's he's pretty pretty fucking great in it i like this big a lot thank you thank you okay my number two i think we this might have been one of the many many movies that we shouted out in our romantic comedy episode. Um, and that is Moonstruck with Cher and Nicolas Cage. 
Nice. Nice. She, yeah, Cher won the Oscar for this role, actually. And she plays, it's, it's a little bit complicated setup, but basically she plays a widow and she uh, is also, you know, engaged to this other guy. And then he kind of goes away for a while and she falls in with his brother, who's Nicolas Cage. And she, um, I mean, what's, what's, what's crazy about this role is that she's, it's another one where it's not at all an easy role. You know, she's, she's going through, uh, she's kind of struggling, but then she's having this romantic relationship, which she knows that she shouldn't really have. And she has this like Catholic guilt thing. Uh, but she's also finding out all this stuff about her family and she has to be kind of the bedrock of her family, uh, multiple generations. And then also, sort of her community and she's just taking on a lot as a person and Cher does a great job of kind of making you feel that but also making you totally rooting for this kind of outrageous love story because it's Cher and Nicolas Cage in one of his you know sometimes Nicolas Cage is not asked to go big and sometimes he goes big and this is one of those times and it's it's absolutely crazy and and it's, it, you can't really believe that you're falling in love with this movie, but she's she's just so amazing in it, and it's 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 well beyond what you would expect um, from someone that's that's not really an, an actor. That's that said, she is in a couple other films where she's also great. Um, I watched actually this week for the first time Silkwood. I've never seen, and she is she's kind of like the third lead. Um, behind Meryl Streep and Kurt Russell. But I, I didn't want to say this before we were on the pod, but we were talking about something similar. She plays a character in this movie that's like also sort of doing like a Sam Elliott impression. Like she's so like gruff and it's 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 kind of great. I think she was also nominated for it. It's kind of fucking great. And Witches of Eastwick, she's great. So she's not in a ton of films, but like she's just some, somehow like a really good actor at the same time. That just happened to do it a few times and is and is fantastic when she does. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great pick. That's a great pick. My number two is definitely the movie that is most tied to my like earlier childhood of any movie on this list, a movie that I that I love and a role that is infamous to me because of my love for this film. And that is David Bowie in 1986's Labyrinth. Oh, wow. Great pick. Thank you. Labyrinth, if, if you haven't seen it, it's it's really interesting movie. It's like a fantasy film directed by Jim Henson. Uh, George Lucas was one of the executive producers. It has David Bowie and a young Jennifer Connelly. And pretty much Jennifer Connelly's young baby brother, Toby, who she like, long story short, she like wishes him away. And then the Goblin King, who's played, that's David Bowie. He takes him. And so she has to go through this crazy, massive, like fantastical labyrinth, essentially to go rescue him. And it's just, I mean, it's Bowie. He's a weird motherfucker. He's a legend. And he is, you know, as weird as ever in this in, in a wonderful way. And the movie is just it's it's a fantasy lover's dream. And it's something that I think everyone should see 
as a kid. And I just, Bowie just did whatever the hell he ever wanted. And I just, I love him. So he has to Honestly, I would say, I mean, there's a lot of times that, you know, we never know what we're picking. And then we have some, some over the top reactions. Uh huh. I, this is maybe the most surprised. I've ever been at any pick. I had no idea that you liked Labyrinth or wow. that you liked David Bowie. I never knew this about you. And this is, uh, I'm, I'm, wow. I'm a little bit shocked. But also, <laughs> also, I think our number, both of our number twos are an interesting pair because David Bowie, also not in that many things as an actor, but when he is, total savage. I total. mean, the man who found Earth is incredible. Basquiat, also the prestige. Need- Yep, and also need a shout-out. Very small role, but I need a shout-out for Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, the Twin Peaks movie, which... Oh, I thought you were going to say Zoolander. Another small role. Another small role. Another small role. But yes, not in much, but kills it when he is. And a legend. Total fucking legend. Great pick. Wow, that really surprised me. I love that. Holy shit. Amazing. Well, all right. My number one. Is also Ice Cube. <laughs> Incredible. Wow. That, that is 1991's Boys in the Hood. Wow. I I don't even know why, but I saw this film about a year ago. It was one of the last days before everything shut down because I was still commuting to work and I watched it on my way. I don't know why I hadn't seen it before, but it is... It's one of my favorite films of all time. I think it's one of the best films ever made. Wow. It's fucking unbelievable. This this blew me away. I mean, you know, you and I, we talk about how much we love coming of age. And I love how this film is very much coming of age, but also plays with the genre and is very aware of the genre. And written and directed by John Singleton. I'm pretty sure he was the youngest um, ever uh, director to be nominated for for best picture or maybe best director. You might be right. Also, rest in peace to John yeah, Singleton. Yeah, really sad. What was that last year? Two years ago. Recently, yeah. Oh. Um. But yeah, this. I mean, this film is. It's so good. You know, so it's so Cube is. This is his very first acting role ever, and the, the role was written for him. And this is about well, obviously, like a bunch of kids growing up, sort of in the hood, so to speak. Um, and it's it's really standout roles for Cuba Gooding Jr., Ice Cube, and then I guess you'd say Lawrence Fishburne, but also Angela Bassett, Neil Long, and and it goes on. Um, but Cube is is playing uh, like the kid that grows up to be like a, a crip. He's in he's in the gang, and then there's you know the other people that are sort of trying to get away from that life in different ways. Um, and I don't want to spoil anything about the movie, but obviously. Obviously, you know, there's going to be some things that don't end very well. And then even what's what's crazy about this film is like maybe the saddest part or not the saddest part, but like what really like kicks you when you're down is just text that comes up after the film is closed. Basically, that tells you sort of what happened uh, to Cube. But um, he just he it's unbelievable. This is his first acting role. And he goes on to be, as you said, you know, quite an accomplished actor. He's he's great in Anaconda. He's obviously great in Friday, um, and he's great in some other like later films like Twenty One Jump Street, where he's doing he's you know a little bit a little bit less right. But he's man, you just this film is just such a heartbreaker, and he's really kind of the linchpin that makes everything happen in it. 
And it's it's insane that it was written for him, that it's his first role, that that it's such a great movie, and he's the one that kind of makes it go. And I just, yeah, I can't believe I waited so long to see this, but love the movie, love his role in it, love Q. What a fucking pick. Also didn't know that was one, or, you know, obviously recently somewhat became one of your favorite movies of all time, which I just love knowing. Such a great movie. And cute baby i mean he might be the winner of of musicians as actors looks looks like it so far yeah and you know without further ado i'll i'll give you all my number one which i know mike definitely already knows and there's probably a good chance that this was not included on his list due to the fact that he knew it would be on mine but without question when we started this, there was only ever one role that would be number one for me. And that is 2002, Eminem in 8 Mile. Marshall had to be. Mathers. Had to be. What I'll say about 8 Mile, because what hasn't already been said about it? Eminem, very, I'd say even maybe less so, but similar in a sense to a share in that very few movie roles in his career. I mean, what was he even in? I'm trying to think if he's even in anything else. Like, I know he has a cameo in Entourage, of course. Yeah, I think since then he's just been in Funny People and in a small role, right? Yes, yes. And so he's he's the lead in this. It's it's a semi-autobiographical story. And so for some, you could say, yeah, so he's, he's playing himself. But the acting job that he does in this, it's unbelievable. To this day, I think a lot of people and a lot of critics even think that he was snubbed to not be nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars that year. I mean, what he's able to convey in his first acting role, his, his only lead role, it's unbelievable. I mean, the movie was a massive hit. It did well at the box office. Critics liked it. And he kills it in it. And it's got a great, you know, it's directed by Curtis Hansen. It's got a great cast. You know, Brittany Murphy, may she rest in peace. Kim Basinger, Mackay Pfeiffer. You've got um, Michael Shannon in a smaller role in there. And it's just, it's obviously all about, he plays a young rapper, B-Rabbit, struggling, wanting to make it big, trying to, you know, participate in rap battles. And yes, it's very much similar to Eminem's upbringing, but just the way that he's able to convey certain emotions throughout the film and the uh, the impact that the final rap battles have on you because of Eminem's performance getting you to that point. He's just, he's unbelievable. I mean... He's already my favorite rapper of all time, but I think for a lot of people that maybe are casual fans or not even necessarily an Eminem fan, a lot of people, he gained a lot of people's respect when he did this because they said, wow, like he, he can act, he can act. He, he really can. I mean, like you said, he's, you know, a lot of people on our list are maybe someone that does a few things or they started out acting and we picked some of their earlier films, but he's, I mean, he's in and out. He just sort of appears for this movie. It's obviously personal to him. He's in literally every single scene of the movie. 
you know, basically killed himself, you know, put everything he had uh, into this film. And he, he just delivers just way beyond what you could possibly think. And, and you know, the, the, the battle raps are great. Obviously, Lose Yourself was a fucking massive hit. Won, won, um, won but, him an Oscar and his yeah. biggest song of all time to this day. But even with that said, I don't know about you, but, you know, we've probably each seen this movie dozens of times. But I I don't go in it, you know, just for the music. You know, I look at it like any other regular, just great performance. And Same. It's, it's, it's just incredible. And it, he, he adds so much sort of, you know, gravitas to the role that you really, really feel it. Uh, and he speaks for all the characters in, in a sense, you know, that are in his situation. And he just... Just fucking kills it. Obviously, we love M, and yeah, we love this movie. He, we really do. And just to give one little personal story that I feel like maybe people get a couple laughs. The day this movie came out, we were quite young. I was, I believe, 13. My mom took me opening night to see it, rated R. I needed a parent to get in. Sold out theater. Place was rowdy as all hell. As the opening credits roll... And Eminem's name flashes on the screen, and then or you see Eminem for the first time. This girl in front, oh my god, I want to suck his dick. <laughs> my mom literally was in a my mom was in a state of just fear for the next two hours. And sorry, mom, <laughs> sorry, mom. <laughs> oh, Love yeah, that. it didn't end there. Let me just say that. So it was a hell of a two hours in that theater. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Oh. Uh, Anywho, that's it. That's it. What a fucking what, dude! Great lists on this, dude. And there's you know there's there's thousands of choices out there. Holy so shit! I'm you know we definitely want to hear some lists from you guys because there's they could all be wildly different from us. That's for sure. Yeah, and I'm just gonna drop just a few real quick. I'm not even gonna go into explaining them. I just want to yeah, drop yeah. some names. Probably the same. Meatloaf and Fight Club. Classic. Classic. I got to drop Andre 3000 and Four Brothers. Oh, nice. P. Diddy and Get Him to the Greek is hysterical. That's on my list as well, actually. Amazing. And then I got to drop Flea in The Big Lebowski. Flea from Red Hot oh, Chili Peppers. Who's yeah, basically, you don't even know he's there. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's great. But that's what I'm going to drop. What do you got? A couple honorables? Right. I've got, um, obviously, Dwight Yoakam. In Crank. Of course. Oh, my God. Yes, of course. Uh, Dude, Courtney Love in The People versus Larry Flint. Nice. Um, Dude, Alicia Keys in Smoking Aces, her first role ever. I totally forgot about that. She's she really I mean, she nails what she's being asked to do. Be Mm -hmm. like a kind of cool, sexy assassin lady. 100%. And I'd say the last one is... uh, Tom Waits, uh, he's in a couple, you know, Jim Jarmusch films, Down by Law, uh, mm-hmm. Coffee and Cigarettes, and he's he's got some interesting characters, so I think he deserves a shout out. I like that shout out. I like that shout out a lot. I'm like, these are all good. Yeah, you guys got to tell us if we're missing any epic ones. I'm sure some. I've never seen Purple Rain, but I'm sure some people would say Prince Purple Rain, which I need to see. Purple Rain is a crazy fucking movie, bro. I need to watch it. It's been like one of those stupid things I've never done that I need to because Prince is fucking awesome and I need to see it. Anyways, that that's a wrap on this week. 
hit us up. We want to know your favorites. We want to hear if you have any ideas for future episodes. You can email us at topfivesanddeepdives at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at topfivesanddeepdives, Twitter at topdives, and TikTok at topfivesanddeepdives. Check us out. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Peace. Top fives and deep dives with Tata PTM. 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 My favorite director would have to be Martin Scorsese. Followed by Quentin you absolute legend